welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. On today's episode, we are celebrating the two-year anniversary of the podcast with a special reflection episode with my dear friend, Dan. Together, we talk about the divine intervention of meeting a kinky person, the uncomfortability of emotions, and embracing the full human experience. I have been so afraid to release this episode because I talked about my own kink preferences and that's scary. There is so much shame and so much taboo and judgment around these things that, yeah, releasing that in a public platform and talking about the self-care that exploring kink has been feels really vulnerable and it feels very scary, but the whole purpose, the whole mission of this podcast is to have conversations with people who are opposing the status quo for the unashamed pursuit of authenticity. And I think that sex and our enjoyment of pleasure is a huge place where so many of us are ashamed for what we like and what we enjoy. And I hope to be a part of a movement that is changing that reality we can let go of the shame when we realize that we are not the only ones who have these desires and who have these fantasies i think it's really interesting there was a social psychologist who interviewed 4,000 adults on the content of their sexual fantasies and again all of this stuff i talk about is linked below in the show notes so if you want to check it out feel free to look below and you'll find the research studies for all the things i talk about in the episodes and the researcher found that bdsm fantasies were the second most popular fantasy and yet all this taboo all this shame Yet the second most popular fantasy. Okay, and even more fascinating is that women had more BDSM-themed fantasies than men. Women were twice as likely to have bondage fantasies, four times as likely to have masochism fantasies, and 17% more likely to have sadism fantasies. Okay, y'all, we need to start talking about this. I feel so much shame about mine, and yet here we are with evidence showing that this is normal, this is beyond normal, this is really common. And when I talk about this in the episode, when we know the research from Brene Brown and all the psychological research that talks about shame being the one thing that makes us feel like we can't be in connection with others and causes so much psychological turmoil, we need to start talking about how we all have these desires and these fantasies. And so I hope that today's radical conversation can be a step in that direction towards a movement where we can let go of shame for having these normal and very hot desires. And yeah, as I'm releasing this episode, dear listener, this is my finals week. I am currently staring at a 10-page study guide for my psychopharmacology exam worth 50% of my grade tomorrow. So please send me good luck for that. 
uh, experience that I am going to absolutely conquer. We're thinking positive mindset here, but I just want to say thank you to all of the listeners who have continued to check in each week, for the listeners who have been here since day one to go on this wild journey and all of the places that we have explored together. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart and also a huge shout out to all of the Patreons that are building community with me in the modern anarchy family space and supporting the long-term sustainability of this social movement project. I couldn't do it without you. And for all of the listeners who can't support in that way, the biggest thing that I could ask of you is that you take a moment to send this podcast or maybe look back through the last year and find your favorite episode and send it to a friend. Send it to a friend who you think would benefit from the radical and open and vulnerable conversations that we are having in this space. Sending this podcast to a friend through a quick text is how we're going to change the world. It is one person at a time, conversation through conversation, where we are letting go of shame and embracing our beautiful erotic authenticity so i appreciate you all so so much and together we will keep going on this journey and learning one conversation at a time i hope you enjoy today's episode and tune in so i think one thing that i would like to hear from you yeah i think that sometimes i get too close to the podcast and it's Mm. just like what i do you know every week and i don't feel like the effects that it might be having Mm-hmm. And I think it was really interesting to connect with you and from your story of how mm. the podcast landed with you and what yeah. it did. Um, mm. Because I never thought that it would be hitting that way with people. Yeah. 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 I would totally share that. Yeah. Um, it, that's how we met. Yeah. I'd love to, he- if you'd be willing to yeah, like share it. Yeah. From what, where do you want me to start? I guess wherever the podcast starts for you, because that's like okay. the center point of it, right? Of okay. like, when did you first listen to it or what? You said you cried. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we met climbing. Right. And we were chatting and you told me about your podcast. So I was curious. And I was listening. I'd listened to a couple and I was traveling on uh, a work trip mm-hmm. and driving. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you had a guest on who said that your trauma, that it wasn't your fault, but it was your responsibility to yourself mm-hmm. to sort of work on it. Mm-hmm. And it felt like the right message at the right time. I was going through a lot at that time. And that was one layer Mm. of what I was going through. Mm. And yeah, it really resonated with me and broke me down, Mm. which I needed. Yeah. And it felt great to break down and to just really connect with something and to know sort of the way, Mm. the way that I should go. Because it was just... Mm, like an injustice to myself mm. like put some work in yeah like try a little bit mm. and i didn't know you know you don't know but what do you mean you know we didn't talk about mental health mm. at all not in any like therapy was 
like laughable. Really? Oh, yeah. Like nobody went to therapy in my family or even like talked about it. There was just like a zero percent. And there was mental illness like throughout like both sides. And none of it was talked about. Yeah. Yeah. So like going to therapy, which is just so interesting. It's like the, you know, being proactive. But at that time it was just. I think stigmatized. Mm. Well, yeah. Yeah, I felt stigmatized mm-hmm. um, and not talked about. Yeah, so I didn't know for wow. a while. But then, you know, I was in the field mm-hmm. and I had been exposed to kids that mm-hmm. had seen like a lot of trauma. Yeah. And it's just so hard or it becomes apparent, you know, the parallels. And it's just like, oh, shit. Like, that's me. Mm. You know, that's me. But. Yeah, that that episode really resonated with me. Mm. And it led to me going to therapy. Wow. And it led to a lot of positive changes in my life. Um, Yeah, I was going through a lot of breakup. And I was on the upswing. You know, I had rock bottomed. And I was in the um, feeling my autonomy, really leaning into the free, like the space created. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was the right the right message at the right time and it led to a lot Mm. of life-changing things Mm. a lot of great things yeah which is beautiful yeah yeah i think it's hard to hear a world where therapy is laughable that's hard for me to imagine right now it is and i think right now it is a little different but i mean who knows you but you're older, right? Mm-hmm. So there is a generational divide. I'm 36. Right. Almost 37. Exactly. So there's a generational divide yeah. between us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. My, my ex was of the same world. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So those generational That's, divides. Yeah. There was, uh, yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> repressive. <laughs> there was one strat. Repression. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Everyone processes grief in different ways, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, you just don't know. You're right. Yeah, you just don't know. At least for me growing up Christian, it was not laughable. It was more so I just didn't even know it existed. Because you go to your pastor to talk about your problems and you pray to Jesus. So I just didn't even know. Yeah, I mean, religion was the way, I mean, for our family too. That was the cure-all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You pray. Exactly. And sometimes um, things would go that way. And it, when it didn't, it just meant that it wasn't supposed to be that way. Yeah, it was It was not helpful for me. Mm-hmm. It was very unhelpful mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just like confusing. Yeah. But like random. Mm. What did? What was random? I guess results after trying to lean into religion at that point, you know, when like everybody around you is saying that prayer works, mm. saying that like, that kind of relationship is what should be guiding you. Mm-hmm. For me, that was very confusing. Yeah. Because I didn't feel guided. Yeah. It felt random. Yeah. Because there was bad things happening. So like random bad things happening. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was very chaotic. Right. So yeah, it just felt, none of it felt good. Yeah. You know, I never really felt safe. That's fair. I'm also curious if there are gender differences, like, based on maybe your friend groups, too, and, like, what therapy was like in Mm. your, like, socialization with other men. Do you feel like? Mm. Most of my friends have not gone on therapy. Yeah. 
most of my guy friends. Yeah. I'd say one out of like seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One out of seven. Well, two. And I'm like, you know, working on them, but. Yeah. I think it's seen as a last resort. Mm, like you have to be. Like things have gone yeah. horribly awry. This is the last thing that could ever help. Like, I guess we have to go down this road, Oof. you know, which is such a shame. It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was very helpful for me. Mm. I should probably start therapy. Oh, you stopped? Yeah. I didn't know you stopped. Why did you stop? Because my therapist decided she didn't want to be a therapist anymore. Oh, fuck. I don't blame her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she had, I think, her second kid, mm. I think. Mm-hmm. She was cool. Yeah. Yeah, but I stopped. So... Do you want to, what do you want to do? <laughs> um, I have the questions that I asked myself last year that I could mm-hmm. re-ask oh, again. Sure. Uh, so we could do those or we could just free flow conversation mm-hmm. and see where it takes us mm-hmm. about all things podcast. Okay. okay. Oh, Fat Cat is choosing you. She's a good cat. Yeah. Look at that good egg. <laughs> You're a good one. Yeah, let's just start with the questions. It's going to get me yeah. going, and we'll yeah. just open free dialogue from I think there. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. How has the podcast changed you in the last year? I think it's made me more radical, for sure. A lot of exposure. Yeah, I've had a lot of exposure to different ideas that I probably would have never came into contact before. I think that one of the ones I have talked about or is going to come out in another episode soon with the dominatrix was how I remember recording with Empress Wu. I don't know if it was early. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's like really early. Mm -hmm. I think it was, yeah. One of the very early ones. And I was just like, so enamored by her like power. Yeah. I was like, I want to be like that. Wait, did you, was that in person? No, that was... No, it was all virtual. It was all virtual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, I was just well, like... of course somebody can... That can translate 100%. Well, yeah. And like just even like... I guess I followed her content on mm. Instagram and like seen all of that too. And just like the badassery. Mm. And I've always been like, but I could do that too. Right? And you can. And, I and st- you have. <laughs> well, I still, still don't think I know <laughs> how to do that um, because... I don't think I've stepped into that level of power and like fury and ability to play yet with myself. I'm always a sub, so I've never been a dom. That's like a whole Mm. different world. Yeah. Yeah. That's different. Mm -hmm. Different space. Mm -hmm. If you've never been there. Yeah. (laughs) That cat. I keep playing and getting closer and finding the spaces to do that and trying to play with it. I think that like, I guess that's one episode that has changed me a lot in this this last year i think in general but i don't know how to answer this question do you know what i mean yeah no i do not yeah um we have I mean, to you you hit on like the bigger part i mean it is just you are exposed to so many different things yeah. it's amazing yeah the yeah. type of people you come in contact with yeah i do think it has made me more radical like i think my voice has gotten much larger i think that's an interesting piece I noticed, right, I started working in the ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, and 
when I would go into that space and sit with my supervisors who have doctorates in psychology and say, wow, I think when MDMA is legal, it's going to be so powerful for sex and relationship therapy and helping sexual assault survivors be able to reconnect to pleasure and have intimacy with other people. And they're like, yeah, of course, like super exciting for you to go down that path and like figure out more with that. Um, And then I will say that in class at school where I'm getting my training in psychology and they will look at me like I'm insane. Like this girl is talking about drugs. This girl is talking about something that is wild, you know, and not really like seeing the full potential. But what I've noticed is that so then my voice gets louder. I've been starting to come back to classes and say things with a fury and a fire, which has been really interesting. (laughs) But it's also made me so like – frustrated in classes it's made me so frustrated so I just just very much so feel like at times I I see things that like the school doesn't like really when you get loud do you feel how do you feel when you get loud I feel like I have a fury I am furious when I learn in I'm in psychopharmacology right now and when I learn that there are only I believe two or three drugs approved by the FDA for suicide And one of them has multiple black box labels, meaning there are like deathly side effects, literally. Like there can be fatal side effects with this antipsychotic that is approved for suicide. And there's a list of like less than fatal, obviously, side effects. But it's significant. What I've learned about antipsychotics is that they have significant side effects. So there is that. And then there is also ketamine. Mm. ketamine has been recently approved right Mm -hmm. and so when my professor said yeah so these are the true options we have and then i said well it sounds like ketamine is better and then he was like well we don't want to make any like judgment calls about one being better than the other and i was like but actually i think we should i mean when we look at the side effects of one that has a potentially fatal You know what I mean? Pros and cons. Yes, it was like neutro-lympho, I don't even, some sort of kidney. I'll have it linked in a show note below, right? Yeah. Resources. Um, Some sort of fatal kidney um, problem that would, could happen. Um, And yeah, so when I saw that ketamine didn't have the same side effects of a black box label, I was like, it does seem different. It seems better. And then he came back and he was like, well, you know, but like you can die from it. You can overdose. And I'm like, well, and I didn't respond obviously to this content. Yeah. But then at that point, I'm internally going like, we can also die on Tylenol. Okay. On everything. Yes. That is not a reason to say it's not better than a drug that clearly has significant side effects. And so I'm just sitting there. And he says, also, well, ketamine can cause psychosis. To which then I go to my supervisor, who has a PhD, and I say, so can ketamine cause psychosis? Because my professor said that. And then he says, no, there's no evidence that ketamine actually causes psychosis. It is an increase of psychomimetic factors, like hallucinations okay so yeah it does increase factors that are similar to psychosis of seeing things hearing things yeah it does not cause psychosis yeah and we're talking about in an assisted setting right exactly 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 right exactly i think what's tricky is obviously like psychedelics amplify all those emotions so if someone's Mm -hmm. already really dysregulated yeah 
we're talking about turning the volume up on that radically. So it's definitely not the answer for all things. But yeah. at the same time, I was like, can it be a tool though? And is it kind of maybe better? Like, hold on. Yeah. Is it maybe better, sir, because of the lack of side effects? Is it? When it's in black and white in front of you, it's hard not to say. And I get so frustrated then. Yeah. I am sitting in class furious mm-hmm. that, you know, if someone's really suicidal, our option is, okay, here's some antipsychotic with severe side effects that you're going to have a to get off of with like withdrawal and dependency and all those sort of side effects versus ketamine which doesn't cause that and has an effective profile based in research and less side effects how how are we adding that up so i have been getting more furious in class (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just like sitting there i'm like deep breaths nicole like just deep breaths don't don't scream don't scream uh, (laughs) a system (laughs) yeah so and and then it's weird right like you tell me that story about therapy being a laughable thing and Mm. then coming to it and it being so life-saving right yeah and then i record with another guest that's going to come out later who was talking about how like therapy is reenacting like patriarchal and colonial means of oppression and i'm like yeah but then I get depressed because then I'm thinking about like, wow, am I just causing harm? Like, am Mm. I just perpetuating the system? I'm redoing the system and this and like I need to get out of the system versus like a different perspective of someone on the other side who's like, therapy is saving my life, right? Yes. Yeah. There's that side too. I know. There's a lot of that side. But depending on who I talk to on the show, I will get some people who are really radical and I'm vibing and I love it. But also at the same time, I'm like, what's like the yes and to that? Of like therapy is helpful and good, and also it is reenacting like it's from a, it is from like a system of oppression, right? To like medicalize and 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 just in capitalism in general, right? Yeah. So it is tied to some, but all things stuff are. as they all are. Yeah, and obviously it's it's just a nuanced thing, but I think that's been hard lately because I keep talking to radical guests and feeling just so frustrated with the system. <laughs> Why recorded- do I have to do it? Right, and right. I, re- <laughs> I recorded with B Step who was someone who they got their master's or as a therapist um has advanced training to be a therapist and doesn't do it anymore just doesn't do it and now just runs somatic sorry and now runs somatic work really yeah and i'm like i wish i would have furthered that conversation with them of why did you quit therapy to do this and tell me the reasoning with all of that because i'm feeling these things too um, when you say somatic work, what do you mean? Oh my God. So last time that I did medicine work with myself and my own spiritual practices, I sobbed crying that we don't have any somatic therapy or training in our program. There's not a single thing that talks about the body and the benefits of the body at yeah. all. It is all cognitive. It is all in that framework, which is obviously important and not something to forget but like there's no discussion of hey helping people to learn how to take a deep breath is going to help them and that is just as important when we're talking about anxiety as the cognitive processing skills of cbt or these other sorts of types of modalities like there's not even close to equal footing let alone any mention of somatics at all bizarre i know right what everybody has a body (laughs) <laughs> those lungs right 
And like we have books like The Body Keeps the Score, mm-hmm. but that does has not trickled into like the psychological foundations required coursework mm. for doctoral students. It is not reflective of our current modern like awareness of these topics. Yeah. So there's nothing on the body for a doctoral level training psychologist right now. Seems like there's room. I know. I mean, and there's obviously types of psychology afterwards. You could like specialize in somatics and other sorts of things, but it's just nothing taught at this level. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a massive hole. Right. Yeah. Because half the time I will say that I've never been happier than when my mind is silent. You know what I mean? Like the more I study like the Buddhist and mindfulness practices of just like quieting the monkey brain and getting to like actually stop having thoughts up there and just be in the present moment of sensation, like pure sensation. Mm-hmm. I've never been happier in my life. Flow. Yes. Yeah. A gift every time I'm there. I know. But I'm not sitting down or maybe not yet at least, but like I'm not being taught to sit down with a client and be like, okay, so like let's slow down the mind. Let's take a deep breath. Let's slow these thoughts down and come back to presence and awareness and be here. And the reality is like some people have very serious, myself included, like serious family traumas that need to be talked about obviously in the therapy space. So like that's really important to do and have that space to do that. But also like why are we not? being taught how to sit with someone and slow down their thoughts and just come back to their body and just exist for a little bit. I think sometimes with anxiety, someone has been who has been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. <laughs> I would like to say, yeah. for, the for the record, of my personal experience with that disorder, nothing has helped more than mindfulness of just being able to stop. Stop what? Everything, right? In a sense of presence. Like if I'm actually able to meditate (sighs) and stay with my breath, like Mm -hmm. what I'm actually focused on thinking, feeling is my breath. There Mm -hmm. is no other thoughts running up around there going on. It is quiet and I just feel. This is also where I'm so like people (laughs) – get on my high horse. People want to have great sex Mm -hmm. and they can't even like turn that off enough to be in the body. Yeah. Yeah, Present in the moment. Yes. It's hard. That's, that's right hard. especially when you got shame taboo blah blah blah, blah. we mm-hmm. can throw it all on there but like i am always coming back to the reality that like yeah that ability to just be but it's hard because that's not the world that i live in obviously i'm a doctoral student you know so i'm studying i am creating things i am writing papers i am managing schedules i am deadlines like i am all these things so at the same time it's like i can't just like live in this world of like no thinking la-di-da i just sit around all day you know what i mean yeah quiet my mind the entire exactly to do exactly and those things are heavy with big like deadlines and other sorts of things that stress me out Mm. so then the time to meditate and find those moments i haven't been doing it i haven't been doing it it's hard I haven't been doing it. I can tell when I haven't been doing it. Like when I, I don't know. climb for a while, I can mm. tell for sure. Yeah. Because that now that I'm not going to therapy, that's like a yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I am just able to flow yeah. and focus and not think. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's what yoga was to me when yeah. I first started going to. It was super helpful. Well, because you step into a room, my phone's down, the customary 
practice is that, you know, that phone stays away for those 60 minutes, whether you like the class or not. You know what I mean? You have surrendered for the next 60 minutes to my power. (laughs) (laughs) My dom side coming out in the yoga. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, you know, so like no matter, I mean, some people might check a phone. I don't know. But no one walks out in a yoga, you know what I mean? You've submitted for 60 minutes to whatever I'm going to give you. Pretend to be present here. Yeah, but that's half of the thing though. Because if you knew you could just walk out at any point, this is why yoga at home is so hard. Mm. Because you can just walk out at any point and be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like when you're in a set container, like you're kind of forced, right? Like Mm -hmm. it makes a difference. yeah. Yeah, totally. So I struggle with that. My original plan, I have a book on um, Buddhism, was to like read a chapter each night because the chapters weren't that long and that like helped me to stay present and that helped me to like really quiet the mind and actually be in that space. And yeah, I stopped doing that. It's hard. Yeah. Because I've also been trying to learn how to tune into my intuition, which is somehow some sort of dialogue too, right? Like that's an inner dialogue. It's at some point, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. there, it's a part of the monkey brain or is it not the monkey brain? Because it's divine and it's intuition, you know? But, like, how am I supposed to quiet the thoughts but also, like, receive a thought, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. But that's also what I do find interesting is, like, a lot of people would recommend, like, silence and getting quiet with yourself because that's when... It's so hard for me. That's when the intuition and the other things can speak to you. Like, yeah. when you are in that state to be able to just be quiet and slow down and just like be there for a couple of moments. Hmm. But yeah, it's hard. I've been sad. Yeah. Lately. Yeah. 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 Like, Not always, I guess. Not every time. And when I look back on the last year of this podcast, was mm-hmm. I sad all 100 all in this last year? Absolutely yeah. not. I've had so many good recordings sure. and fun things and like it's felt so good and yeah. there's so many moments of joy, but I also have just felt like so sad this week. Sweet. Yeah, I think it's just school and all the things. And and obviously the world is in like a very tough place and heavy in that way. There's just yeah wild things going on. Mm-hmm. And I just – I hear of wild things in my work. I mm. hear of wild things of like cases and pain and, you yeah. know, like my frame has become – A little sad. Yeah, a lot of sad. And so I think I'm just learning how to adjust to seeing the world through that lens of like that many people hurting out there and that many stories and – realizing the scale of pain that is most likely prominent for most people out there yeah there's a lot of pain for sure yeah yeah and being in it can weigh you down yes especially if you're not finding those moments right yeah how do you fix that well hanging out with you earlier was lovely having like a Mm -hmm. i think that relationships have been really crucial i i sometimes think about it like brushing my teeth in that way because Mm. I'll be really sad and heavy with everything and someone will ask if I want to go get pizza with them, mm-hmm. you know, and a part of me wants to say, no, I'm going to go home and cry and be all alone by myself and just like sit in this and let it out or wallow in it. And then the other half of me is like, Nicole, if you go, you will feel better once you're there. It's like almost always true. I know. It's basically always true well, for cause- me. Yeah. I think part of it is that like we get so stuck in our own experience and then just to hear of anybody else's world and like step out and get that perspective for a moment that like, oh yeah, someone else has other lives and things going on and like. Get me out of my head. (laughs) What's going on with you? Yes. 
can that be like a therapeutic measure? Like I need to ask you how your life is because yeah. I literally cannot yeah. <laughs> with mine. Else. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. But I think that is part of like the benefit of community is being able to have that Absolutely. perspective and just be in that and have them hold you. Yeah. yeah community has been so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any sort of like embodiment practice or I do a lot of like fun sex with my partner yeah. and I'm able to really like channel a lot of different emotions I think in our play that we do together like I can channel because I feel so comfortable with the yeah. full range of like crying to everything with this human that I'm just able to like channel sadness or rage or fury and to have that and to release it in a safe space uh-huh. well in what ways yeah I mean <laughs> It sucks that I think about shame in this conversation, Hmm. right? That is a new thing with the podcast and the website coming out. I put out, I was like, I am a queer, kinky, non-monogamous sex educator. Just the word kink in there has been making me scared. You know what I mean? I completely understand why that would be scary. The way that things are set up now, you put it out there right? and it, it... it can become synonymous to your name. Mm-hmm. So you just have to, it affects you, the mm-hmm. people in your life, right? In good ways, bad ways, neutral ways, but unfair ways. Yeah. But isn't that sad? Of course it's sad. Don't we find that sad? Like when we know Brene Brown is studying shame and talks about the power of shame to absolutely tear you apart isolate you and isolate you and caught and when we know from psychology that isolation feeling separate from the group is what causes psychological distress and so much pain it makes me sad that if this was an off-air conversation i would have said that to you and been like yes yeah and it's something that i'm then recording and then i'm like oh god you had to really yeah am i going to say this yeah yeah, I mean, and but it's true. Like it it's just true. hands down true. Yes, my lived experience. I have enjoyed that, and <laughs> I never like. thought that I would say that. <laughs> it is a, a you know, it's it's close to home that one. <laughs> it's like preference, you know, in a very <laughs> it's preference in a very vulnerable, like pri- like uh, historically private part of your life. Yes. <laughs> Wild. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand. I understand why that would be. Right? It it shouldn't be. And I don't think right. it, it will. Hopefully. Well, I mean, I'll go to tea with anybody, right? It's like, yeah. why not? Right? Like, who are you? I think the only people who would be offended by something like that is someone who is uncomfortable with themselves, right? Because if someone says, hey, I am doing this within a safe, negotiated container with my partner and who we have built intimacy and have multiple conversations before and after about the creation of this effect that we play with, like... Everyone's cool with this. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I can't imagine. Well, it... 
to me, it's it's hard for me to put myself in someone's shoes that that would be like, yeah, yeah totally, yeah, yeah. I would yeah. have an issue with that. It's yeah. like just two people hanging out. Yeah, exactly. Let them play. Well, totally. That's the whole perspective right there. Let them play their adults, right? I mean, <laughs> I know, I know, but it's just it's the taboo. It's all of the things. It there's so much fear in that. But yeah. I think what's wild for me is that. I didn't think that I liked this. Every time I had watched porn and I yeah. would watch something like this, I'd be like, wow, that is aggressive. And uh, I'm scared and I am not turned on. I agree. Yeah. That I had the exact same experience. Interesting. Yeah. It, I'm just not interested in it. I usually ended up feeling it didn't look enjoyable. I ended up feeling right. like almost guilty watching it. Mm. When, you know, the, the experience may be a total totally different thing but yeah it was not what i thought and then experiencing it yeah things are different when you are the person yes <laughs> absolutely absolutely so what is it that changed our minds because i just wonder out there how many people would be into this stuff yeah. but because they've only ever seen it in porn mm. and media and not through a loving relationship embodied like yeah. person that cares about them and is holding space to also play in the space like how many people would actually really like this but just don't know yeah i mean i'm sure there's a lot of people that are into a lot of things and it's deemed inappropriate mm -hmm. in a lot of spaces yeah when it is the most normal thing for humans to do right it's, we're sort of just it's built mm -hmm. into us it's something that we all share mm -hmm. you know right i'm thinking about the guest on the show who had mentioned that um they had said the phrase the divine intervention of meeting a kinky person <laughs> the divine intervention. <laughs> but i think it rings true yeah because uh once there is any kind of exposure you know, curiosities may pop up. And once you're curious, you can start learning. Yeah. And yeah, you may be surprised. Yeah, exactly. And it starts slow. I think that's the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I first started exploring with my partner, it wasn't like day one he was doing that with me, right? It's a, yeah. something that was built through months and time and time and time spent and negotiations and conversations about it and trying different things and having that ability to communicate about it so it was like a slow warm-up you know yeah to establish that yeah safety and oh, totally. trust totally. yeah i yes. mean everybody understanding what the other person wants mm -hmm. that takes time i think yep i just didn't know that i needed someone to show that to me do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know that I needed an actual human to show me that world because, again, watching it through media never sparked anything for me, but having it with an actual person changed everything. That's what I just find so interesting. You know, like, exposure, I feel like, yeah, yeah real I, exposure. Real, yes. Because yeah. I feel like some people were always like, oh, like, what are you into? Well, I watch this porn and I watch that porn mm -hmm. and that's what I watch, you know? And it's like, I, I had watched stuff about this, like BDSM and kink yeah. sort of stuff, and never in a million it. years would I have been like, yeah. Me neither. 
I know. So that's why I wonder how many people are sitting at home going like, sex is not that great. I don't know, you know? And then they look at that sort of stuff on porn and they're like, well, yeah, I would never do that. Of course not. (laughs) But have never been with someone. To just expose them a little bit. To the divine intervention of a kinky person. Just something. And and really what it comes down to is just opening up communication and finding out Mm-hmm. what really turns you on mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to yeah. it could take so many different forms yeah. right but it's just the vulnerability like this really does it for me well it's also i feel like the knowing that's the tricky thing is i think that you need someone who knows how to dance like you're asking me like i want to dance with you yeah. and you're coming into it with two people who don't know how to dance the the, the, yeah. to the beat they don't like know the same yeah yes they don't know the same dance yes and so there are people who are have been doing this dance for years and know this dance and know how to play in this dance and like could teach you really well. Mm-hmm. But when you step into the arena and if your partner hasn't done any of this, then you're trying to play at a game that you've never been taught. So again, I would still be like, that's not really for me. I didn't like it. But it's also like yeah. you've never had someone show you with experience like the real moves of this dance and yeah. where you could go with it. Yeah exposure i know getting I know. out there yeah i mean being all brave or half in sense yeah i wish yeah. i mean and education mm-hmm. oh yeah totally yeah there's a whole space where if people were more educated about these things having better access to like good materials it would change the whole game in general yes i think people would be more open to playing and explore and some of that is happening on the internet. Obviously, all things are being, you know, content is always being blocked about sex yeah. education. So that's always still interesting that we're still in 2023 and that's still what we... It's bizarre. Yeah. It's only like the thing... I mean, I get it. You know, I also get it. You Did you watch that porn hub documentary? No. Horrible, 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 horrible trigger warning. Really? For, yeah. Just lots of apparently when things were unverified. Mm-hmm anyone could upload with no form of documentation so the amount of videos of rape and sexual oh. assault and children that were on there was apparently horrendous Yikes. and because it was unverified content there wasn't any way to like come back to these yeah yep, so so i so i hear this space of like obviously there protection are atrocities. and, and yeah. moderation of yeah. this content to make sure it's not For the sure. atrocities yeah of the sexual world, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like also like, man, we need some sex education content. Yes. Maybe it doesn't need to be stuffed in a corner where <laughs> yeah. all that, you know what I mean? It may be with some, some sun in there. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be so dark. Yeah. Yes. Could, like, exactly. Actually... Hey, hey, that's, that's my whole hope. That is my whole hope for my career because the reality is that our sexual lives are deeply impacted by our relational lives. It's not like it's separate. It's not like you can just teach someone like, here's the sex, here's the tips, here's the that, here's the this. Like if you do not have a relationship where you can communicate with that person that you're about to do this with, you're going to have an experience that's not great. And that's just is what it is, whether it's a one-time experience or over a long-time relationship. If you cannot communicate with that person, it's not going to be great. 
How could it be? Even if that communication is as simple as, I just want to fuck and not talk and just have that experience. Like, that is still clear communication. Both where people you, understand yes, what's going on. And are choosing that. And if you can't communicate through that, man. So it's just, it's all related. That's the thing is the yeah. relationships and the sex. It's all related. So, I mean, I hope to help people be able to connect with their partners deeper yeah and have that sort of space to experience all of these things in their relationships that's my dream i mean a lot of times it is just hearing about it once and you talk to your partner about it but i mean it is a big thing but it it becomes less of a big thing when it's like instead of one of your friends it's like two of your friends and a podcast you're listening to right yeah yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I think is interesting. It's it's the community. It shapes your reality. When I was in purity culture, you know what reinforced that? All of my friends mm. who were equally saying, oh, I'm waiting and I'm doing this and I'm that yeah. and I'm this. Yeah, it's a much different world when I'm going to brunch with my friends now and they're sitting down and asking, oh, so what are your sexual fantasies right now? Very different. Right now that you're, that you're exploring right now. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even know. I don't even think about that right now. And it's a whole different world where you actually dream of the fantasies and do them. Communicate. (laughs) Yeah. And you have that space to play and do that. And I've just never been in that space before. That has never been my community. I think you're in the majority. Yeah. I think most people have not. For many different reasons right for I know. many different reasons I know. yeah i know yeah it's hard oh yeah. it seems hard what communicating being vulnerable in general mm-hmm. oh. i think yeah yes not easy no that's one thing i hope to do on this podcast i hope so right yeah. it's interesting like the when i would listen to podcasts the sort of relationships i would form with the hosts like they start to feel like your friends in some yeah. sort of meta relationship way i'm always curious to think like how much personal disclosure have i done on the podcast so that someone who actually has listened to all of it like like what how did- well do they know <laughs> you yeah like how well do they know you yeah <laughs> how much do they know yeah. you know um <laughs> which sometimes makes me feel like when i'm doing this podcast i feel very naked because i've shared a lot of different things over a hu- yeah but it's over a hundred episodes, episodes sprinkled throughout yeah, like if you dash. yes if you listen to all of them you'll hear little bits and pieces Snippets. of me um that are vulnerable self-disclosure some of them i do share more commonly throughout the thing right but like yeah, so I'm always curious how much someone actually knows of me. But I do hope to be vulnerable. So I did I did cry in that episode that I recorded that will again come out way after this one. But yeah. I did cry. I think that's what that second question of what is something that I'm having compassion for myself with? I think it's like the ups and downs right now. Like I said, mm, like I've been really sad, like yeah. carrying a lot of this weight. And so I was thinking about going into this recording being like oh shit i'm about to come to the recording and be kind of in like a sad place actually like i don't want to mm-hmm. give that presentation for my two-year check-in you know what mm. i mean like with the whole everybody i want to be happy and upbeat sure. yeah but that's not also realistic that's, i don't think it's not yeah. how you feel right. also yeah it ebbs and flows yeah yeah and that's about right mm-hmm. i think that's what most people are working with i know but then i go do i need my ssri back my answer is no i mean 
clinically what I've learned in my training, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean, is that um, mindfulness is as effective yeah. as SSRIs for anxiety and that SSRIs are not effective for mild depression. They're not. They're hands down not effective for mild depression. I know. And I get furious, Dan, because when I sat down with my psychiatrist, they did not give me that full informed consent. Do you know what I mean? Of, hey, here's a drug. Yeah. Hey, research also shows mindfulness is as effective. You can choose one or the other. I was told drug effective. So I say, okay, I do drug. Yes. I know. What I think is wild. It's your doctor. Right. Because it's my doctor. Exactly. It's my doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I need blood work? Okay, I'll get blood work. This pill? Okay, I guess this pill. I trust you. You're the one who's gone to school to know. Now, I'm the one who's going to school to know. Mm Mm-hmm. So things are changing. Yes. I cannot stop a medication and I cannot start one or change the dose because that is outside of my scope. But Mm. I am learning about like the different ways to help educate clients on that sort of thing and so yeah when i learn it's not effective for mild depression and anxiety is just as effective then i don't think that i should go back onto that space but i will say that i feel like i feel things a lot more now both sad and happy things and when i'm sad it's intense yeah like i'll almost cry at just seeing an instagram video the stuff that's going on in the world like i'm this close to just bawling down at how fucked up this world is at times yeah sensitive instrument yeah, yeah. Which is a good thing sometimes, and it's a not it's an uncomfortable thing right. most times. It's an uncomfortable thing. <laughs> yeah. Is that what it, just normal living is uncomfortable? Yeah. Oh my god! Like, yeah, damn. But it's but it's joyful when it swings in all its different emotions. You know what I mean? And I'm so furious and passionate, and I love channeling that. And when I'm sad and I can cry with a client, you know what I mean? Who starts mm. to go into that space of the pain that they've experienced, and I can. You know, gently in a controlled way. Obviously, they're not caretaking for me to be very clear. But when they're sobbing, I might have a little tear that drops down. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been able to do that as much on the SSRI because it was such like a limited scope. Yeah, I've never uh, experienced that. Uh, How would you? um, Yeah, what was your experience? I felt like it was effective. Mm -hmm. I felt like it helped. I felt like it helped calm me down. Um, and I felt like my social anxiety calm me down. I just felt like I was a little bit more carefree. Like I had always oh, okay. used the story where like, oh, like, you know, I had, you know, say I had blueberries or something and then I like dropped the blueberries and they fell all across the floor. And usually my brain would be like, oh, my God, the blueberries are all across the floor. Like, oh, my God, now there's some under the fridge. And like, how did you drop this? Like, <laughs> yeah. this is going to happen in every container that you've ever had. Bef- like after this, yeah. it's going to happen again. You know, like that was my brain to like, huh. <laughs> Drop the blueberries. Strange. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what it felt like. I felt like the difference so that, was. Like, that seems like a drastic It was great. I was. Change. Yeah, that's. Perception. But here's the thing. Placebo effect. Mm. We study placebo effects and know that they are real. So mm. the other question is, like, how much of that What's is. actually happening. Yes. How much of that is me telling myself because I'm on this drug now, I'm going to yeah. respond differently. And so then I do because just mm. mindfulness of like we yeah. teach people, you know, you don't need to fight the emotions, but you can control like where your thoughts go. Like you can yeah. control which ones you engage in with and which ones you don't. Yeah. That is a power that we all have. Yeah. Pop up intrusive thoughts. You cannot control that, but like you can choose to not engage with it and let that thought go. 
and stop that like thought process. Yeah. So I I don't know. It's hard to say. It is hard to say. And for the most part, I've had so many good points of joy and everything I know about the research now. I wouldn't. I would not be on one. You would not go back. Yeah. No. But there are obviously people that it's effective for and yeah. like and need and it is helpful and I'm just not that person. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you tried it and you went it off was, it. It was great though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for all that placebo and whatever it was, yeah, I did. I but I did have points of sadness, obviously. Yeah. I want to be as um, present as possible in all the things right now. That's admirable and brave, and I agree. Yeah. That that's my general goal. What I'm trying to do. Yeah. It's just hard. I just feel like Dan. I started off today super stoked, and I was like, "This is a great day. It's beautiful. The sun." And then, like, by the end of the day, and granted, there's all that stuff with my car repairs going on that sure. are like just stressing me out. Yeah, like bumming you. Yes. By the end of the day, I was like, "Damn, I am furious. I need a kickboxing class." Yeah. <laughs> like, I this shit out. <laughs> Get so it out. I'm, I'm like, I don't want to feel that intensely, honestly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Like, shit. <laughs> I understand that. But it's all deal with that shit. But it's also what gives us our passion. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, when I was depressed, I didn't yeah. feel anything. And that was way fucking worse. Yeah. That was the the worst. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So I'll take it. I'll take the highs and the, the lows. The highs and the lows. Yeah. yeah. Happily. Yeah. Yeah, that is it, it. It is better. Yeah, I don't want to try SSRIs. I yeah. think that. I guess if I ever felt like things, you know, like I needed something like that, but mm-hmm. so far I feel okay. Yeah, which is. And good. I would try like therapy first, you know, like, but it's an option. Yeah, it is, and it's effective for some people. Yeah. Yeah, it's just prescribed at really high rates now. It's it's radical. Yeah. You yeah, get rates feel. that are probably higher than the average person needs. I just think that I probably didn't need them. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. probably could have never. And if I wasn't in a situation where a doctor looked at me and was like, yeah, this is what you should do. Like I probably wouldn't have done it otherwise. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Yeah. Because you just. I just like, figured I was help. like, yeah, exactly. And it, and it, I guess it did in some ways. But at the same time, yeah. like the psychological experience of going through withdrawal and like the existential processing afterwards of now Mm. this like anytime i'm sad i'm like should i have been back on my ssris like a pretty wild ride i think yeah that yeah if i maybe would have got more informed consent about the actual research on how effective it is and the side effects what was the timeline of like you started them and you getting off them i was on them for two and a half years okay yeah um you just got off them what like three yeah in july and it's April. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't even been a full year yet. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do you still feel changes? Or do you feel like the changes have all? Yeah, I, I, I do think the biggest change is really just like feeling at an intense level. Mm. Joy, pain, anger. Mm, anger. Like I said earlier yeah. in this conversation about the systems and learning all this stuff and hearing all of this. And um, yeah. But I think anger is good. I'm following it. I think fury is great. I Partially, I've been thinking that about that a lot too, of how like, you know how I talked earlier about the DSM saying that female orgasm disorder is upwards of 52% oh, yeah. of women, right? A gendered thing, but of women. Yeah. And um, I was just thinking about fury and rage. Like mm. for so long of my life, I was taught to like cross my legs and be dainty and be like, yes, of course, you know, like I'm a woman, you mm. know? 
And I've never been taught how to be in fury and rage. Channel that wellspring. Yes. I do think that being able to channel that emotion within yourself changes how you show up in the bedroom. Because you're able to channel that in the bedroom and you're able to go there and play with that in a fun way. Safe way. Yes. Yeah. A lot of times people have anger and aggression in this like purely not that's not okay that's scary mm-hmm. that's unsafe mm-hmm. you know but in a safe place yeah you can channel that kind of thing yeah beautiful mm-hmm. it's like being able to channel the emotions and play with them not channel the emotions and abuse with them do you know what i mean like i feel like there's such a fine line be- behind saying like oh yeah like Channel your anger and use it in your sex life. You know mm. what I mean? Like that can yeah. someone can immediately take that in such a negative context and be like endorsing abuse or whatever. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's such a sure. but it's like being able to do that in a way that is in a safe, playful It all comes down to your relationship, right? Right. What I'm talking about is sex. And when you're using anger to harm other people, mm. that is rape. It is not sex. Mm. I'm talking about sex. I'm talking about something that you are creating with another human with consent and discussion and safer sex negotiations. It's not the same thing. I just, I hear my critics. Mm. I hear the judgment. You know what I mean? But I I do think it's a powerful way. (sighs) It is. Yeah. It is. Mm -hmm. So wait, when you say you hear your critics, what do you mean? I hear the person who thinks that kink is pathology. I hear the person who says that and that there's something wrong or the person We're channeling like anger yeah. in the bedroom. Mm. Yeah, you're endorsing people who have traumas to you know reenact that in harmful uh, ways and yeah. Yeah, 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 all of like there's a lot of people that think that. There's a lot of people that think if you have some sort of fantasy along these lines, yeah. something's wrong with you. Yeah. Although to state clearly, the research shows that people who engage in kink are not um, more likely to have had a sexual assault or, you know, violence occurred to them than any other people. They're not a more traumatic group of people, like traumatized group of people, even though that's like a very common myth about all of it, which is really fascinating. Mm. It's a lot of stereotypes. There's still a lot of stereotypes and Mm -hmm. a lot to learn about it. Yeah. Pretty taboo, even now. Exactly. Like people aren't talking about sex dungeons yeah i am (laughs) i'm going i don't know you know what i mean um i think it was i think i told you this the first time i did go to one it was so fascinating to see um different ages of people yeah yeah like i had never seen you know someone with gray hair Mm -hmm. having sex Mm -hmm. i hadn't even looked at that in porn that is never something i even thought about you know like that has never done it for me so it was interesting to be in like an open space where that was just going on in the room and i was like whoa i've never seen this you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) and then it made me really think existentially about oh yeah like i'm gonna be my body is one day gonna be that gray and i'm am i gonna still feel like erotically connected and hopefully and hot and sexy when i'm wrinkly and have saggy like skin will i still feel on well able to connect and enjoy yes which i think the answer is yes 
you know, it's just it's going to be a journey to like, you know, all of that. I'll oh, be yeah. I'll be around for it. We'll see where this show is at in eighty. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go the whole ride with you. I will. <laughs> Man, I always um the Titanic. Well, yes, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard of the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know about this boat. Yeah. But it once was named. <laughs> there is this iceberg. Let me tell you. It did not go well. It did not go well. But have you seen the movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know that moment when they're all like playing the violin? Yeah. And like it's going down? Uh-huh. I have always felt like that's my life at times. Like existentially with like, like climate change and all the things we know. I'm just mm-hmm. like, hey, Dan. You want to you, you play a violin until we die? You know, I'm just like, yeah. this podcast will be here until I die, y'all. We're just going to go down and down and wherever it takes us together. <laughs> That's truly my hope. I hope I do it until I'm that old and I, I yeah. leave it behind for the world. And That would be a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the only other question that was on there, um, I think, is, yeah, the last question is, what is one thing you are proud of? Mm. you have so many things Mm. that's the hard part right Mm. in that exact moment that's not where i was going i was like (laughs) wow like should i put column a b c or d i was really like what am i of?" you know you have a lot to be proud of yeah you do can I hear it? Because I am a sucker for adoration in this exact moment right now. Yes. Well, I mean, you're crushing it in school. Very tough program. You're juggling the podcast. It's growing continuously. You have the website. You're climbing harder stuff than you've ever climbed. You have a lead partner when we get there. (laughs) Yeah. Climbing literal rocks. (laughs) Rock in the outdoors under the sun. None of that is even talking about like the relational work you've done Mm. in this last year, which Mm. is not for the faint of heart. Mm. You've done a lot. Of work. You have a lot to be proud of. Yeah, you've challenged yourself in in so many big ways at the same time. Yeah, so, I mean... Yeah, it makes sense that you're feeling a lot right now. Mm. (laughs) That's a lot of big wins and, yeah, a lot of opportunity for discomfort when you're growing Mm -hmm. at those rates. You're just going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. But yeah, tons to be proud of. Clearly. It's true. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's been wild. I really do think like stepping into that, like just that whole kink non-monogamy space has been a wild trip. I think learning to trust myself has been a wild trip. Trust my intuition. That has been huge huge still learning that one really hard because i'm so i'm so anti woo woo you know my and like the spiritual trauma stuff but that's not woo woo though intuition just like you know that gut i 
I'm trying to believe with you. And that's exactly what my mentor said. Like, it's woo-woo to trust your gut. And I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But does your gut have research behind it? Exactly, exactly. Like, how does it know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the psychedelic work is definitely crossing over there, you know. Mm. It's a lot of inner healing work. And so I'm learning a lot about helping people to trust that too and facilitate that space. And so it's affecting me too. So, yeah, I do have a lot to be proud about. And um, it just doesn't always feel like that. Yeah, you're in it. Yeah. And the more people start listening, the more I just want more. (laughs) Which I feel like is the chronic human condition is that I see this many people tuning in on a global scale. And it's amazing. And then I'll look at a Snapchat or I'll look at a video that I've recorded from last year at this time. And it's grown exponentially exponential growth just like wild yeah and yet now i look at it right here like cool so like next like when do i get to this level Mm. when do i get to that level when do i get to this so i think that's why it's been hard so i've just i haven't it's just hard to like sit and be like wow this is really exciting yeah 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 you measure from where you started yeah there's a lot of distance there there's an insane amount of growth there. Yep. And I'm going to keep being human and I'm mm-hmm. going to keep messing up mm-hmm. and learning from that and trying mm-hmm. to honor that and be raw about feeling sad and cry and just be a human. Just be a human out there. It's worked there. for the best humans I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I did always tell myself, like, truly, and I wanted to stay to this, was that if one person is listening each week, right, like, For it's sure. enough, right? If one yeah. person is feeling seen, if one person is feeling supported in their journey through life because I'm tuning in each week with you on a Wednesday. At the very least, the person you're interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, at least one, as long as one person. <laughs> when I reached that global scale, I was like, okay, we're definitely getting one. one. Yeah. But I mean, but I, I like that. I, I like that holding of like, just, it's just one, as yeah. long as it's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the closing question you have to ask me is what's, what's the one thing? Yeah. What is the one thing that you think people should know is more normal? Yeah, if everything that I said for the last, like, hour wasn't it of, like, shame around sex, emotions, and all of that sort of stuff, I've all... (laughs) It's different. It's different. uh... (laughs) I'm, like, joking. (laughs) (laughs) So the real answer that I want to say that I feel uncomfortable to say is that, like, nipple hairs. That is something that I have never had in my life Uh until, like, hormonal changes that are going through my life. And I have never felt more unfeminine, more mm. gross, mm. more just like completely repulsed by my body, mm. which is radical because then I'll like Google and it's like, oh, it's normal, you know, and yeah. I'm like, interesting. But it's just something that I'd never, I actually had been at a wedding in a bridesmaid uh, discussion and one of the moms had mentioned it and was like, oh, no one ever told me about that growing <laughs> up. And then that was, I didn't know, I didn't have that at the time. I was yeah. like, nipple hairs, how weird. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Who has that? You know what I mean? And then I got to my current age and I was like, whoa, 
That's interesting. Yeah. And I have felt so much shame. Mm. That's originally, I think, why this question started. I was like, <laughs> what's that thing that you're Yahoo answering? That's like my yes. age. I yeah. don't know if you did that. <laughs> <laughs> Yahoo. Yeah. It was the Ask Jeeves in my generation. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, is this normal? <laughs> yeah. That was Cora. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I started with. But then I, don't know, I was also, as you were thinking about that, I was like, wow, I've never said this to like someone who identifies as a man. First ah, off. Uh, yeah. So that's a whole thing. That is a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of firsts. Totally. Yeah. So I was like, okay, here we go. Um, but also I was like, that's not deep, Nicole. Give him something deep. Give him something deep. But if I were to go deep way, I would say that it's just that all of the emotions are normal because I've been feeling all of them. And I think all of them are crucial to be able to like be present, to be pe- yeah. present with your people, to be... Absolutely. Yeah. Really human is that full range of all of it. Yeah. And that people have varying intensities i am intense in a great way but also in a difficult way yes yeah i feel that (laughs) that's how i released a podcast two years ago during my finals week who in their right mind when we're making this anniversary episode Uh and i'm editing this Uh this is literally during my finals week who does that why i know (laughs) I was procrastinating. I didn't want to study for my exam. So I was like, you know what I could do instead? Podcast. (laughs) I did. And I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna release this because this is what I want to obsess about instead of my exams. Yeah. Yeah. Um Well, it turned out well, I think. Totally. Yeah. And I'm about to I've got a four point oh, so people can try and push me all they want, but I do what I do what I gotta do and then I play with the rest. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for holding space for me for the conversation. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. As always. Yeah. If you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And head on over to modernanarchypodcast.com to get resources and learn more about all the things we talked about on today's episode. I want to thank you for tuning in and I will see you all next week.